Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. Brought to you by Wintrust Bank, Mazda of Orland Park on ESPN 1000. Chicago's new home of the White Sox. What is up? Happy Saturday. I'm Connor McKnight, and this is White Sox Weekly. Man, do we have a show for you this Saturday morning. This is one of those where I look at the schedule and think, it's only a couple of weeks until White Sox Weekly goes to two hours. We really get to spread out a little bit, talk some White Sox with you. Lots to do on the show this morning. Tim Kirkchen of ESPN is our guest. If you are a baseball fan with a beating heart, you have likely heard of Tim Kirkchen. He's one of the nation's finest baseball reporters. I am thrilled to have him on the show at 930. We'll talk about the state of the league. We'll talk about the new rules. We'll talk about some of the old rules that went away. We'll talk about some of the rules that should be in baseball but aren't. Talking about the DH in the National League. And, of course, we'll get Tim's thoughts on the AL Central, on the White Sox, on the state of the league and the state of the Sox heading into 2021. Your phone calls, as always, you want to talk White Sox, now is the time to do it. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number on the program. You can follow us on Twitch. Tyler, are we up on Twitch? We're getting, uh, we're turning the camera on. We're firing on Twitch. All right, good. We got a, it's, we got a, we don't have the lawnmower thing. You know, the, the, the daily shows. They get the really nice camera, but we've got the one with the pull string. Like right, old yeah, lawnmower. yeah. This isn't, we're not driving around on this no, thing. No, no, it's it's Saturday morning, after all. It is what it is. Uh, North has the is the real nice camera. That's what he's got. You can follow us on Twitch. That's easy enough. Just search uh, ESPN 1000 on Twitch. We're on there. We're saying hi and hello and whatnot. Oh, uh, I have a Twitter poll out. I don't know. Do we want to retweet this right away from at ESPN White Sox? Um one of the big storylines in baseball right now is that Pakoda, baseball prospectus's player projections and team projections, is out. And unfortunately for the White Sox, not that it really matters, it's just a number after all, but unfortunately for the White Sox, they're projected at 83 wins. 83, a fine number, but still not what White Sox fans were hoping for. It's just a projection system. And we'll get into the whys and the wherefores in just a second, but the reason I put the poll in the field the way I did is that when I sat down and tried to sign into my, my baseball prospectus account, Carmen DeFalco, who does a fine show Monday through Friday here on the station, is already signed in. So the question is, do I sign DeFalco up for seven or eight super premium subscriptions and then just kind of pass them around the station and let everybody sign into the good, good stuff that BP does? I don't know. Polls in the field. It's up there for the next two hours or so. Spring training is set. And there's been a little change, a small, tiny change for those of you who are like, you know, not subscribed to the schedule online or anything. It was that the first game of spring training for the White Sox was going to be Saturday, February 27th against the Milwaukee Brewers. It is now the 28th against the Milwaukee Brewers. Major League Baseball and its teams have kind of reworked the schedule just a little bit. They moved one day. And then there's kind of this nebulous gray area in between the end of spring training and the beginning of the regular season. It's a couple of days. Uh, the, The Sox had 
a date with the Cubs scheduled there. I think there's still some gray area in how those last couple of days go, how those last couple of days work. We'll see. Kind of like everything that comes with the COVID caveat. We'll see what happens. But right now, pitchers and catchers report on the 17th. Their first workout is next Wednesday. The first full squad workout on Monday, the 22nd. And then the 28th, Sunday, the first White Sox spring training game. You are probably going to want to follow. Well, you should already. Follow on Twitter at ESPN White Sox. Because I got a feeling, this is just me, but I've been told that our broadcast schedule is coming out soon. And as a thinking man, I would expect that the Twitter handle at ESPN White Sox is a great place to find ESPN 1000's broadcast schedule for the Chicago White Sox. I was also reading this. This is kind of a, a new change and something that I was a little bit surprised at. Somewhat, you know, somewhat welcome news. But I was reading Daryl Van Scowen, the, the Dutchman in the Sun-Times, as, as you all should do. The opener at Camelback Ranch will have fans. In fact, this right now set to be, this according to Daryl's reports, uh, 14 games at Camelback Ranch, of course. There are plans to have up to 2,400 fans in seats. I'm not sure if that's also for Dodger games. And I don't know that this necessarily is the blanket policy of the Cactus League. We'll talk with Tim Kirkchin about that a little bit. See if he knows anything about how the Cactus League could work with fans. And um, given the... You know, independent uh, municipalities there like Glendale and Mesa and Scottsdale and all that kind of stuff. It's a little bit different in Florida. The Grapefruit League, they've already reworked some scheduling and some pod play, all that kind of stuff. Anyway, that's 2,400 fans, 18% of capacity. Those tickets go on sale on the 20th. You can get those seats, Daryl writes, in pods of either two, four, or six. There's rules, of course. You have to be masked unless you are eating or drinking. And I know what you're thinking. What if I were just eating a hot dog for the entire game? No, that's not responsible for a whole bunch of reasons. No bags. It's cashless. There's hand sanitizers throughout all that kind of stuff. And I just I, I put it out there because I, I know a lot of people and, I, and I'm right up there with you. I, I love the spring training trip. I love being able to go down there. I know a lot of people went down with families. Tyler, you, you were taking like spring training. trips. Yeah, we were just kid, talking right? about that. Yeah. So I went back in like 05. And I think I went again when I was in high school, probably my freshman year of high school. I you were went. a kid, 05, mm-hmm. you, yep. yeah, the, the kid trip? Eight <clears throat> years old, yep. Junior in college, no big deal. Um, that's fine. It doesn't hurt as much as it should. Anyway, at ESPN White Sox is where you should follow uh, on Twitter for some of that news. You would also see, if you went to go follow, you would see the very first pictures of White Sox broadcaster Len Casper at Guaranteed Rate Field. And I know this. Because I took some of those pictures. And Len asked me, before you even, before you're like, ah, you're creeping and being really weird. Yes, but also Len asked me to take the pictures. Yes, we were out for there. the candids. Yeah, right, exactly. Something something discreet, you know, something that looked contemplative. and mysterious yeah, in there. Yeah, you know, like I, like, I, like I wanted to be here, but also didn't want the photo so much. Like I'm working out now. It was, it was great. It was a cool trip. Um, nice to be in the space again. Uh, nice to be around. Cool to... I mean, it really was. It was really cool to see Len Casper walking, you know, stalking the grounds and kind of getting a sense of where he was going to work and all that kind of stuff. Those photos and all the kinds of behind-the-scenes stuff are fun things that we're going to do for you on ESPN White Sox. We're also doing Ask Connor. It's the, the hashtag. 
you have questions throughout the week, we're going to, you know, post and solicit things on, on Wednesday. Um, and I'll do video responses for questions that you may or may not have. So that's the ins and outs of, uh, of a couple of things to start the show. But also, if we're starting spring training on the 28th, which we are against the Brewers, then we've also got a big list of invites to spring training. And I know the White Sox have invited 21 players to spring training, and as they are a team that's expected to compete for the AL Central right up there against the Twins, and if you be- we're going to get to the projections in a bit, but if you believe the projections, Pakoda and, and somewhat Fangraphs too also think the Indians are in I, Cleveland. I keep on forgetting they've changed their name. While they haven't changed yet, they're going to pick something. They're Cleveland. They think Cleveland's going to be in the mix as well. And they... I get it. Cleveland's got pitching coming out their nose. I, it's just... They've got a bunch of arms. I don't know how they're going to score runs. That's my only thing. Anyway, as the White Sox are a team expected to compete for the AL Central, the players invited to spring training may not be the kind of excitement or flyer-type guys that you could see cracking the roster, except there was news just a little while ago that, hey, there really could be. Jonathan Lucroy has been invited to spring training. We had the news last week, and we talked with Ethan Katz a little bit about the potential of Jonathan Lucroy and Jerry Naren, uh, the new White Sox coach who's going to handle catching instruction at the major league level. That was Those were just rumors and reports. Well, I shouldn't say rumors. Those were reported at the time and not confirmed by the White Sox. But now the team has done just that. Naren is going to be the White Sox catching instructor. Lucroy is invited to spring training. And if you, if you hear it from Lucroy, the expectations – on, on what the White Sox can offer him and why he chose the White Sox from the get-go are fairly interesting. Here's Lucre. Tony likes veteran guys. I know they were throwing my name around, so I put a call into Tony La Russa and said, look, um, I'd love to play for you. You know, I, I hated playing against you whenever you're managing uh, with the uh, Cardinals because, you know, it, it, they were tough. And uh, I said, but I'd love to play for you if you can – you know, if you if you see that if there's a spot somewhere for me to, you know, have an opportunity to try to make team, and um, that's how I kind of went out, went about, and we talked several times after that, and you know, I just kept expressing my interest. I mean, it's it's a uh, it's a good opportunity to win, you know, and I'm, I'm a 34 year old catcher, you know, I've I've uh, been in the playoffs, you know, what, four times now, and you know, the furthest we've gotten is NLCS against the Cardinals in 2011 which they ended up going on to win the World Series that year. I'm open to helping the team win in any way I can. I mean, look, I played first base. Um, I got I got several games there under my belt over my career. I've DH'd, um, and I've caught it. I've caught a, I've caught a ton. So, you know, I'm open to anything and uh, whatever. You know, you know, if I'm uh, if I'm fortunate to make the team, um, I'm gonna absolutely be willing to be. I'm, I'll be willing and open to any role that they. They put me in to uh, help the team win and get better. That's it. So it's pretty simple. Any role is pretty impressive. Uh, it's also interesting that Luke Roy put a call in to Tony Larusa. I mean, that's how this whole relationship started. That's how the invite to spring training started. You read Scott Merkin, MLB.com, who covers the White Sox, fine reporter. There's an expectation there, Scott reports, that Luke Roy will make the team. And I, I bring this up because... We also found out as the new rules were, well, some new and some old and some meshing of old and new rules kind of got announced. And we go through those a little bit with Tim Kirkchin at 930. We find out that Major League Baseball, that teams are going to have a 26-man roster to open the season. 
And that'll expand from 26 to 28 come September. Furthermore, because of the concerns around COVID still, obviously, it's very much part of our lives. There will be a five-man taxi squad throughout this season. Taxi squad is, as I understand it, five guys who all drive taxis. Five guys who are, are just kind of there. They're on the roster, but not. They can be activated, but they're not counted against the 26-man. They're not playing minor league baseball either. So the question of who constitutes this 26 or this five-man taxi roster is kind of an interesting one, right? Especially when it comes to the catching situation for the White Sox. I was just kind of doodling out the 26th man, 26-man roster for the White Sox. And as I'm thinking about it in my head, this is in no ways official, right? I mean, it's we're still two weeks away from spring training even started. Injuries are going to happen. Things are going to pop up. Dead arm phases will occur. All that kind of stuff. But you go through the starters and you figure there's six there, right? Lucas, Lynn, Keuchel, Cease, Rodon. And Reynaldo Lopez will likely battle things out for the five spot. And I would imagine that whichever one loses probably has a spot as the long man or in the bullpen or something like that. I don't, just me, I don't really see either one of those guys assuming, you know, a, a relative and base level amount of competition and, and, and talent that they get there. They'll stay on the major league roster. Then you got five relievers who are absolutely in Hendricks, Bummer, Foster, Hoyer, Marshall. Then some combination of like three of Jace Fry, Zach Birdie, Jimmy Cordero, Garrett Crochet. Maybe maybe somebody else who pops up. It becomes interesting in spring training. Then you've got the catcher spot. Yasmani Grandal, Zach Collins, Jonathan Lucroy, all kind of in that mix. And as you start to look, okay, well, if Andrew Vaughn makes the team out of spring training, do I do you want to can carry three catchers? If you want to carry five outfielders, if somebody makes that interesting from a a defensive standpoint, a mix-and-match standpoint, do you carry three catchers? Do you want Zach Collins, if Lucroy makes the team, do you want Zach Collins on a taxi squad where he's not playing but ready and available, or would you rather have Zach Collins at AAA taking at-bats? Granted, the minor league season doesn't start at the same time as it usually does. It's pushed back a month, too. Some interesting questions there. And because of the rule changes, some of the White Sox are going to have to keep an eye on. Spring training has a way of sorting a lot of things out for the teams themselves. But something Sox fans, I know, will be interested in once we get to start playing baseball against the Milwaukee Brewers on the 28th. That's the first day of spring training. When we come back, there's another big change in baseball. It's actually to the baseball and it got reported just last week. You've got White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. Hey, Chicago, the White Sox are back. Welcome to White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. Join us, won't you? 312-332-3776. White Sox are going down to spring training uh, shortly. Pitchers and catchers report on the 17th. You've got the first game against the Brewers on the 28th. A little minor adjustment to the spring training schedule. We went over most of that at the beginning of the show. Projections are out as well. We'll dig into this a little deeper in the uh, the final segment. Tim Kirchin, we'll talk with it a bit with Tim Kirchin in a couple of minutes. He's going to join us at 930. Um, but the projections 
are out on both Pakoda and Fangraphs. I mentioned that the Pakoda projection, there's baseball prospectus is, you know, math, algorithm, analytics, all that kind of stuff. It's the kind of math you don't do on air. Still, 83 wins for the White Sox via Pakoda with a division win percentage of, call it 13 and a half. If you go over to Fangraphs, it's a little kinder, I suppose. A 61% chance for the White Sox to make the playoffs, a 20 point uh, call it twenty and a half percent chance to get the wild card spot breaks into a forty or so percent chance to win the division and a five percent chance at the World Series. Pretty good. You look around the rest of it. Uh, look around the rest of the league. That five percent chance of winning the World Series, the sixty percent playoff odds, all pretty decent. Still, all of that, and really for every team, for every team, there's a new variable being introduced to baseball this year, and it's the baseball. I will do the best I can to make this next little bit as free of math as possible. But when it comes to talking about the baseball itself and how it's going to affect the White Sox or how it may affect the White Sox or the rest of the league in 2021, there is going to be a little bit of math. But I'm not going to do any of it on air. I'm just going to mention a couple of numbers and keep things as stupid as possible because that's what I need to figure this stuff out. But keep in mind this. According to the reports and people much smarter than I am. The new baseball this year is going to be like adding five feet to the walls all around Major League Baseball. It's like pushing the wall back five feet just about everywhere you play. In a memo obtained by The Athletic that was initially sent to GMs and assistant GMs and equipment managers, Major League Baseball detailed the changes to the ball itself for 2021. And with all the turmoil around what ball's being used and how that affects teams in all different ways, I, I guess I'm at least glad that MLB made it known that they are changing the ball. It's in a memo that just went to a few people that then made its way into the hands of Eno Saris and Ken Rosenthal, who did the reporting. But still, these are steps in the right direction, and I choose to celebrate those, no matter how small. Here's, here's one graph from uh, the piece on The Athletic, one paragraph. Although the first bit is a quote from the memo itself. So here's the memo. In an effort to center the ball with the speci- specification range, Rawlings produced a number of baseballs from late 2019 through early 2020 that loosened the tension of the first wool winding. Here's the rest of the report. The memo from the office, the commissioner reads, explaining that this change had two effects, reducing the weight of the ball by less than one-tenth of an ounce and also a slight decrease in the bounciness of the ball, you know, the rebound of the ball off the bat. Like I said off the top, the, the science on this expects it to feel like they've added five feet to the fences. But as to what that really means league-wide, we need a comp. And fortunately, Eno and Ken, doing the reporting, on the athletic found the comp in the korean baseball league i don't know how much kbo you watched last season or last spring i watched more than i probably needed to uh i caught jason benetti a lot which was great i saw a lot of hanging sliders which looked like i could maybe hit them i couldn't but looked like they could in the kbo the ball got slightly bigger it got lighter and slightly bigger in major league baseball the ball is getting lighter and slightly smaller you probably won't notice the changes. I probably, if I was around BP, if I go to the field because of the COVID caveat and everything, and I can snag a baseball and, and, and held onto it, I probably wouldn't notice it either. But the results, the results will likely tell the story of a different baseball. The other issue is drag. 
You know how much it's how much wind resistance is measured on the baseball, right? From one size and weight versus another, the drag may change some. Still, the smarts out there are looking at something like a 5% reduction in home run rate. Here's the larger point, and I'm sorry for the math. I truly am. But all around baseball, we've been having a conversation that walks, strikeouts, and home runs are all too high. That this is the only kind of action we get in baseball. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but I do understand that, you know, if you are kind of one of those people that looks at, oh, God, too many of them. Yeah, there are too many strikeouts. There are too many walks. There are too many home runs. These are the only things that happen. Still, if we are changing the baseball, not to something that's going to be like from the 20s or the 30s or anything like that, just it's going to feel more like it's 2017 where there were a lot of home runs, not as many as last year, but a lot of home runs, then we're decreasing the number of home runs, but the number of strikeouts and walks will likely stay the same? What are we doing then? What what kind of baseball will we be watching? What kind of baseball will the guys have to hit? Here's bringing this to the White Sox specifically. The White Sox hit 96 home runs last season. Over a full year, that's 259. That would have been a franchise record by 17 home runs. That would have beat the 2004 White Sox. That's the the, the franchise high of 242. Frank Thomas himself had 18 home runs in 2000. Grant, yeah, I know he was hard, 74 games, but still, eight. That's a Frank Thomas worth of home runs difference. This baseball is going to be a big story. We'll be following it. I'm sure guys will be talking about it. I'm sure it'll be a focus of a lot of reporting. Maybe even somebody like Tim Kirchin. We'll talk a little bit about the new baseball and how it's changed the major leagues in 2021. We're going to talk with Tim in just a second. We'll talk about the White Sox, the new rules, the new league arrangements, all that kind of stuff. Tim Tim Kirchin, ESPN baseball reporter, coming up next on White Sox Weekly. This is Chicago's home for sports. The new home of the White Sox. ESPN 1000. This is White Sox Weekly. This is White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. Been talking about the agreement the league and the players union have reached. Been talking about invites to spring training, a spring training schedule. It's all set. We're all ready to go. And sure, some of it might change. But that's why we figured we'd call Tim Kirchin of ESPN. Tim joins us now on White Sox Weekly. Hi, Tim. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate you coming on the show. My pleasure, Connor. So we have a new agreement. We have new rules. We have roster sizes. And even though the snow is really coming down outside here in Chicago, we are very close to spring training. I wonder, Tim, if you could characterize how the league and players and all the other entities that are involved in conversations about getting this season off the ground, given the state of COVID, got to this point and how the conversations kind of went. Well, I just kind of wrote that story. It'll run on Monday on ESPN.com. I think everyone is really excited about spring training and at the possibility of playing 162 games unlike last year. However, I sense that everyone I talk to, there is uh, there is concern, if not great concern, on how this is going to be pulled off because it's going to take complete collaboration between the union and the owners in order to make all this work. It's going to take incredible discipline, like we saw last year for most of the season, by the players and everyone around the clubs to make sure 
safety protocols are followed. Otherwise, we're going to be in trouble again, just like last year. I know the people I talked to basically told me they're worried about the potential start and stop of the season, which I think you can do in, in basketball. You might even be able to do it in football. But you take three weeks away from baseball after a bunch of positive tests, you almost have to start over. Those are my concerns. But I'm, I'm encouraged that the union and the owners at least came to an agreement on something. And it's the rules for 2021 and a few other things. We have a long way to go to pull those two sides together. We have a long way to go to get through spring training and 162 games. But I'm going to take the high road and think, all right, at least we're on the right track here. Talk with Tim Kirkjian here on White Sox Weekly. Tim, how how much of the agreement, and I'm, I'm using the, the quotes around it, you can't see it, but I am, how much of the agreement do people understand may need to be changed? Is, is everything open to a better process should COVID present a, a, a higher challenge? Absolutely. Everything is subject to change from what I can gather. Let's not forget they were changing things on the fly last year. We barely got the, you know, extended play, expanded playoffs in like minutes before Max Scherzer threw the first pitch of the season. So even though there are no expanded playoffs, no universal DH for now, it doesn't mean it's definite and it's over. They're continuing to negotiate. And I think we all need to be as flexible as possible about this and adapt to all situations like everybody did last year. It's going to be a similar situation. And if we don't adapt, if we're not flexible and adjustable, uh, things are going to get missed. So we all have to go in thinking, all right, we're going to do six weeks of spring training, 162 games, but everyone has to be ready for changes because invariably they're going to come. Tim, I know you said you're kind of writing this up for ESPN.com on Monday, but why did we not get a universal DH for 2021? Well, this is the kind of thing that troubles me, is that that is a bargaining chip for the next collective bargaining agreement, which that ends on December 1st. And sorry, this is just not the time to be holding back bargaining chips for the next CBA. We have to get through this season first. And even though, and I think the universal DH will help get through the season. It will keep pitchers healthier. It will keep players healthier because, you know, uh, Jose Abreu can get a day off at first base. Well, obviously that's going to happen. And the National League, Juan Soto can get a day off in left field and be the DH and get his four at-bats. So I, I think it's the right thing to do, and I'm confused and I'm concerned that they still haven't come to an agreement on that. But it's always hooked, it seems, to expanded playoffs. Those are two bargaining chips, and the two sides can't agree on this. And an agreement has to come really soon here so we can know what the rules are as we enter spring training and then the regular season. Do you think that those two things will be as hooked together as they have been up to this point? when when the two sides enter another negotiation after the season passes? Yeah, I think they will be. But, you know, the CBA is going to cover everything. There's only so many changes you can make right now in the middle or at the end of a contract. But once we get a new one, all bets are off. But, yes, those two are hooked. Mm. And it'll be fascinating to see just how – 
The rules that we used last year work this year. It'll be interesting to see just how the labor situation works during the season because I'm worried at this point that two sides don't get along very well and they're going to have to get along as well as possible if we're going to if we're going to get through the CBA and actually have a 2022 season without any sort of work stoppage. You know the voice. It's Tim Kirkjian of ESPN talking baseball here on White Sox Weekly. Tim, I we were talking earlier in the show. We kind of opened the thing up with the idea of Jonathan Lucroy being invited to White Sox camp and how that plays into the roster sizes and the taxi squad. It's 26 with 28 in September. There's a five-man taxi squad. And when it comes to a guy like Lucroy, the question kind of becomes for the White Sox and for a lot of other teams around baseball – do you want a guy like that on the roster or on the taxi squad so he can be if it happens? If he pushes a guy like Zach Collins out, do you want Collins on the taxi squad? Or would you rather move him to AAA where he gets at bats? How do you feel like teams are going to work those three different roster work uh, kind of machinations in 21? Well, again, this is where the GMs and the managers are doing extra duty making decisions like this. Normally it's a simple discussion, but it's not anymore with, you know, rotating rosters and, and taxi squads and everything else. To answer your question, Jonathan Lucroy for me needs to be on the major league team, the major league roster, because he's so good in the room. He's been around for so long. He's such a great influence. I want I would want him on my major league team. But it's just not that simple. And that's the point. Nothing is simple going into 2021 spring training. Nothing was simple last year. That was an exhausting baseball season in so many ways for everyone, including the executives and especially the managers who had to juggle all of this stuff. So similar things are going to happen this year. It's going to be an exhausting season, but we'll take it as long as we can play as many games as we can as safely as we can speaking of as many games we'll have seven inning double headers in 21 tim how does how do you feel about that how does tim kirkchen feel about it and then how does the baseball reporter side of you the guy who you know really understands the league really feel about it well, I'm 64 years old, so I'm totally against seven-inning <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but I was all for them last year because it was the strangest, most bizarre season of all time. And I will do – we have to take anything that will get us through a season like that. So I'm not in favor of seven-inning doubleheaders, but this year, it, which is going to be COVID-affected, I don't think there's any way around that. I'm for seven-inning doubleheaders this year also. But when we get back to healthy, traditional baseball, sorry, I don't want seven-inning doubleheader. You play nine innings every game for 150 years, and it's worked out really well. So, But this year is different. It's going to be different. So whatever it takes to get everyone through in a healthy manner, I'm going to have to go with again this year. So I remember covering my very first softball game in college. I was covering sports for the paper in Wisconsin, and – out trots a runner to second base in extras. And I didn't know what was happening. Fast forward, you know, 15 years later, and we've got it in Major League Baseball. And I've actually really come around to the runner on second to start extras. Not that I love it. I just, I guess I appreciate the kind of action it's added. Are you the same way with runners on second? Or do you feel more like the seven inning doubleheaders, Tim? 
Yeah, I haven't come around on it. To repeat, I'm 64 years old. Sure. This is not the game that I grew up watching. Now, last year it was a great idea because it shortened the games, it kept everyone healthier, it got people to safer havens quicker than usual. I get it. And this year, again, if it's going to be COVID-affected, then I'm all for runner on second to start the 10th inning. But moving forward, I just don't get it. I just don't think this is the way the game is supposed to be played. And with all due respect to everyone out there, this is not Little League. This is not American Legion. And this is not softball. This is the big leagues. This is the highest level that we play. And I don't think we should have a runner on second to start the 10th inning once we return to traditional, normal baseball. We are going to have, I guess, consequences for guys who violate COVID protocol, and really, I think, staff members, too. Can you iterate exactly where those consequences, how they came about, and, and what they're what they're going to look like in 21? Well, I'm not sure I know all the details on that, but this is the most obvious point, is that players especially, but everyone around the game has to show remarkable discipline again, but not for 60 games, for 162. And that's going to be really hard to do. And the players especially did a tremendous job with that down the stretch last year, and they got to the playoffs and they finished October when some people didn't even think we would get to October. So the bottom line is no one in the game can be selfish you're going to have to do what you're told and you're going to have to think of your extended family around you the team so when you come back to the team you know you got to be really careful with what you did before you join rejoin the team in any form so that's what it's going to take and that's why there should be punishments because all the players have to recognize the importance of following these protocols otherwise we're not going to get through this season Tim, I know it's February 13th, so it's incredibly early for me to be asking you the question, but I have to. How do you see the White Sox faring in the Central? Well, they're the best team in the Central, and they're going to the playoffs. I'm pretty sure about that. I mean, they, they were, what, 35-25 and 25 last year. They were first in the American League at homers. They were second in run score. They had a pretty good pitching staff. And they've upgraded that pitching staff. Lance Lynn, Liam Hendricks, oh my goodness, what two great additions to that pitching staff. They've added some additional help uh, in the outfield. And I love I love where the White Sox are right now. I think they're going to be perhaps the clear team to beat in the Central, even though the Twins are very good still. But the Indians have taken a step back. So there's really nothing not to like about the White Sox right now and all those great young players. They're, they're signed for several years, all of them, so they can keep this team together for some time. Tim, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much for coming on White Sox Weekly. Okay, Connor, thank you. Absolutely. That's Tim Kirkjian. Tyler, do me a favor. Clip that, save it, send it on to everybody here at the station, will you? Thank you. Appreciate it. That's awesome. Tim Kirkjian, ESPN. You know the name, you know the voice, and you can read, uh, like he said, the story he's going to have on ESPN.com coming out on Monday about how baseball and the Players Association got to the agreement that they did for 2021. There's new rules. There's consequences to COVID violations. And I... This is just me speaking. This is Connor. This makes sense to me. 
we're, and we're not sure what the what the consequences are going to be. We do know that a, a positive COVID test is going to mandate a ten day isolation period for players and close contact folk. Right? We had situations last year where guys didn't follow protocol. People went out allegedly. Group texts were used to determine whether they wanted to play the next day despite being exposed to the virus. All these kinds of things, right? And I, you know, to a certain degree, I understand it. We were early on in the COVID world. We were early on in a pandemic, you know, life. (laughs) But we've been doing this for a while, right? We get it. You know, as well as I do, that the news came out just the other day that two masks are better than one. So now you wear two masks. We found out just the other day that from the CDC that, that kids can likely go, small kids can likely go back to school with protections involved. This isn't a, we learn stuff science-wise. And it is on you, you know, the baseball player, the baseball staffer, the GM or whoever, to follow the rules now. We've been doing this for a long time, nearly a year, right? Since Rudy Gobert tested positive in the NBA, it's been almost a year now. We understand this. And I don't think there's anything wrong with holding people accountable who are who violate protocol. Now, the tricky part is, and, and we, we know this too, even if you follow protocol, even if you wear it, you can, it can still happen. You can still pick it up. I think determining who gets the consequences and who doesn't, and I'm going to talk about the 10-day isolation period. That's not a consequence. That's just, that's, that's just good health and safety protocols. That's got to happen. But I understand. I understand. And I'm actually glad that the two sides agreed to uh, some kind of consequence for those who violate the actual protocol. Um, Tyler, we have a chance to phone call on the other side. Eddie's up when we get back. All right. Eddie's up when we get back. You'll also hear from Lucas Giolito, who took a turn hosting Sirius XM Radio, uh, the MLB Network Sirius XM Radio last night. He had some fun stuff to say about his last season and the expectations for 21. Your phone calls coming up. White Sox Weekly, ESPN 1000. The South Sox have a new home. This is White Sox Weekly. A behind-the-scenes look at the White Sox as they prepare for the 2021 baseball season. White Sox Weekly. ESPN 1000. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. Got you for the next, uh, I don't know, eight, seven, eight minutes, something like that. The boys have the hockey show next. Patrick Boyle and Brian Hanley are coming up. Set to be a fun show. Uh, out to the phone lines we go. On the north side, it is Eddie. Eddie, what's on your mind, my man? Thanks for calling White hey, Sox guys, Weekly. How are you? It's just this baseball thing with this guy on second. It's got to be the biggest joke I've ever seen out of any professional league. You don't like why it? Doesn't the, why doesn't the NFL just... Uh, Go with college, then, and put them on the 20-yard line and just run it like they do. Well, the NFL did change rules so that the quarterback almost cannot be touched. I mean, it's not like leagues don't change the rules. I I know, but what makes a team like, you know what, we got to get a really speedy guy now because we got this new rule, and we throw a guy on second base. This is video game baseball. You just don't reward a team, a player on the base. If you want to do anything and you want to speed it up, 
You bring it to three balls and three strikes in extra innings. Eddie! You drop a ball. Eddie! And I guarantee you, you'll get it to it. Eddie, you're telling me that a less radical change than putting a runner on second base is changing the actual structure by which we count? Well, we're, we're counting seven innings to nine inning games. How are you recording stats that's a, in that when the games aren't even even? That's a different category. And we've had rate-outs for years. You know, rain-shortened games happened. That hasn't stopped but anybody at from... at least you are not rewarding a guy a free base. But both teams get rewarded the, the same pitcher. way. Eddie, both teams get... It's not like it's not like the, the White Sox are playing the Royals and the Royals get a man on second base every half inning. Might make it more but fair. But if you have three balls and three strikes... The guy still has to hit the ball or get a walk to get on base. He's not just mysteriously flying out of nowhere invisibly on a base, and he's on a base. Eddie, it's not magic. Like, the guy walks from the dugout to second base. No, He doesn't apparate at the bag. He doesn't descend from the rafters. A, A guy gets a hit, and he brings the guy in from second base, where there shouldn't have been a guy on second base. Does that guy get an RBI? Does the pitcher give up a run? The, does the, the, the answer is the, the, the answer is yes. The batter gets an RBI, and the run does not go on the pitcher's tally. There you go. It's just video game baseball. No, no, that's not Eddie. I appreciate you. I love you. Call anytime. All right, Literally any call anytime. It's not video game baseball. It's real baseball. We put Wouldn't it into play. Three balls lengthen the game too, because then you're just having walk after that's walk my, after walk. That's, that's my favorite part. That's just fantastic. <laughs> Listen here. Here's what I'll say about the the runner on second base. I was like Eddie. Um, I would rather change the actual fabric of the universe than have a runner on second base to start extra innings. But um, I was talking with a friend of mine, uh, Joe Brand, who broadcasts minor league baseball, had been for the the Chiefs for years. And he's seen it a lot, and and he worked really hard to convince me that like, no, nah, this is actually fun. This actually works. And I, I remember watching. I was trying to think about this in the shower on the way out here, and I, I just couldn't remember. I think it was a Padres game that I'm watching last year. The Padres were hitting, so it wasn't Tatis at short, but it was somebody else. And runner on second, <clears throat> balls hit to the right of the shortstop, hard hit ball. It's one of those plays where the shortstop chucks it over to first nine times out of ten. Get the sure out. Guys on third, eh, so be it. Maybe the run scores. Maybe we keep involved. Maybe you walk a guy, set up a double play, all that kind of stuff, right? And instead, this dude, hard hit ball to the right, he's got to get up and from a knee, makes a throw to third, doesn't get the runner. First and third now, nobody out. First inning of extras, we're in the 10th. And they end up stranding the bases first and third. And then I, I think they played another two innings or something like that. And from like my heart leapt it was like oh my god that's a that's a challenging defensive play right off the bat you're getting action and if what we're asking from baseball most if not more than anything is more action that runner on second does provide some for you college softball has been doing the runner on extra uh, the runner on second in extras for a long i mean since i was in school and even before that it's worked out fine it's fun no it's not your traditional baseball but it does provide fun, and it does cut the length of extra innings games. It, it does. I mean, that is a tested, that is a scientific fact. I have a question for you. Go ahead. Because you, you did softball. So I was doing a softball game yesterday. DePaul, they're playing in a dome this weekend. How do you score it? 
Where do you put the runner on second in your scorebook? Because oh. I was filling out my scorebook, and I'm like, all right, where do I put this runner on second in my scorebook? I would. Okay, so you should know. I I am a crazy person when mm-hmm. it comes to scoring a game, and Len is like, Len's got this super advanced, ultra progressive spreadsheet that he mm-hmm. keeps score on. He showed it once to me a couple of years ago, and I'm like, well, I, I don't know what that is. I might as well go to the moon. I, I have no idea. <laughs> but what I would do, I'm thinking about this in my head. Because I haven't had a chance, I haven't really scored a game since I was, you know, doing this job a couple of years ago. I would, you know, you you end the inning with a little slash, right? And then in that next box, in that next inning, because that runner goes on second base, right. mm-hmm. I would somehow like draw lines around that box and be like, oh, he's just the runner in second, like a ghost runner, yeah, yeah. I would yeah. I would ghosty on second, mm-hmm. and then he gets batted in. Okay, there you go. I'm I'm really the seven inning double headers are fine. From a selfish perspective, from a guy who's going to you know broadcast and be there, and that's that's nice. It's good. It's better than playing like two twelve inning games. Don't laugh, Boyle. You know what's up. I, I like the runner on on second and extras to a point. It's been much better than I thought it would be. I'm fine if it goes away. Truly. My biggest issue with all of the rules changes that have happened over the last little bit, it's the three batter minimum. I'm not a fan. And I don't think it's done what the league hoped it would do in reduced pitching changes and time spent and all that kind of stuff. I, I'd rather see the lefty-lefty matchup. I'd rather see that dude come out. I'd rather see Ray King strutting himself out of the ball. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, we won't have it. We will have baseball, and it's coming up awful soon. That's been White Sox Weekly. Truly appreciate it. We've got some, you know, Eddie was a great phone call, and I'm, I'm glad to talk to White Sox fans. Next week, we got some great stuff from Lucas Giolito, who hosted on SiriusXM last night. Some really solid stuff there. We'll have that for you. The boys have the hockey show coming up in just a bit. Patrick Boyle and Brian Hanley are on the way. Who's the, who you got on today? You get, the, you get Steve Conroy up today? Steve Conroy's coming up at 1030. Stay tuned. It's the hockey show next. This has been White Sox Weekly on ESPN 1000.